0: You fought in the Clone Wars?
1: Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Since that one simple sentence, fans have on different levels been obsessed about thinking, what was the Clone Wars?
0: Idea of doing a animated TV series was intriguing to me because it really did allow me to broaden the, the the canvas of what Star Wars is about.
1: Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host Charlotte. Hey,
0: everyone. I'm your other host Caitlin, and welcome back to our Clone Wars discussions. And I'm sorry we. Are a little late on this one too. Um, it's, it's my fault. My fault. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Charlotte is <laughs> was still getting over her illness and it just, you know, gave you a run for your money, honestly. <laughs> There's really no other way to talk about it. That's what happened. And it just, we wanted to make sure that she was really well and good before we
1: came back. I think I'm good, guys. I mean, I don't know, but I think I'm good. We're really crossing our <laughs> fingers. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is that with the coronavirus, people talk about how there's like with mild cases like me, there's a, people talk about how there's like a couple of false starts. Like you think that you're good and then you're not, then you take a turn or and that happened a couple of times for me. And I think that happened last Sunday when we recorded, actually. And then after we recorded, I was like, oh, I'm uh, still sick. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> um, it's OK. Uh it's it's a, it's fine. I feel like I'm so I feel so much better even than I did last Sunday. So that's really great. And I've been better for like two days now. So it's been a really long time since I felt good. So it feels really nice yeah, yeah <laughs> to so. feel productive and back into it. So I'm really happy to be back talking about Clone Wars, which is like the only thing getting me through. Wow.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, that's not true because you just got your switch. Your switch. Your Nintendo Switch oh my gosh, finally came so in. true.
1: Yeah. That's also
0: getting me through. <laughs> and uh, Charlotte finally got on Animal Crossing, and we visited each other's islands, and it was listen. I can't lie. It was super cute. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it was so Charlotte came to my island first, and my island is named Kate Losses, in case you were wondering. And Charlotte's is named Octo, in case you were wondering. And uh, Charlotte was like, <laughs> like, her airplane was descending onto my island, and I was like, This is how long I haven't been with people. I'm like, Oh my god, it feels like you're really coming! Like- <laughs> Uh, It brought me back to when you lived in London and I would come oh my see gosh. you, and it was like waiting Can't... for the flame to land. <laughs> no. It was. I screenshotted when it was like, Charlotte's almost here.
1: <laughs> what is traveling anymore? Hello. <laughs> <So funny. laughs>
0: <laughs> what was fun though is that I the first like couple minutes it was just like walking around and hitting each other with like our fishing nets. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was really fun. It was really fun. Um <laughs> So that was a good time. What was funny too is that, you know, like you add friends and stuff on Animal Crossing and you have a cell phone in the game too that like tracks you know like your miles and stuff like that but it also attracts like your best friends and it's like do you want to be best friends with charlotte
1: confirm (laughs) or close out and i was like what should i do here (laughs) i thought you denied it at first i was like i don't think we get a second chance (laughs) no no i didn't
0: i didn't it
1: was funny um
0: (laughs) So Animal Crossing is good fun. Uh, Let us know if you're playing. And what fun Star Wars things you brought to your island. Because Charlotte and I are still, like, our islands are still very much, like, tent towns. (laughs) There's not a lot going on yet. But Mm -hmm. I'm excited to start, you know, populating it with a lot of Star Wars stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm so ready. I'm already thinking about stuff. Mm -hmm. On TikTok, I feel like I see people who have, like, I saw someone last night who had, like, a Jedi temple training situation with like waterfalls i was like oh my (laughs) gosh this is so intense
0: it took me like two days to figure out where i wanted to put nook's cranny the like general (laughs) store i was so stressed about where to put it like the idea of like like some people get so intense with how they design their islands on animal crossing and like i want to be that person i have ideas I? i have ideas but I just get really stressed about it. And then I'm like, how much is this going to cost me? <laughs> like, I'm going into debt. It's fake. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself thinking, I was like, yes, he's a capitalistic raccoon. Yes, I owe him hundreds of thousands of bells. But also, you can find money anywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but also, it's fake. <laughs> it's fake.
0: <laughs> I just get like I get so stressed about it sometimes. Not so stressed. I'm like making a being a bit traumatic. but I find that I operate within Animal Crossing, like I do within the real world too. As far as like my credit card and stuff like that, like oh wow, like I can't buy anything else unless I like pay this back all together, all at once, <laughs> like. <laughs> And I find myself being that way in Animal Crossing, too. Like, when I want to upgrade my house and stuff, I'm like, I have to do that immediately. Like, I can't do it little by little. I've got to do it all at once. <laughs> it's very Same. aggressive. <laughs> Same. And then, oh, I'm anyway, like, wait, wait. This, is, this isn't an Animal Crossing
1: podcast, Kayla. It
0: could, it could be. You know, when it <laughs> Animal Crossing things, I have a Ben Solo memorial candle in my- So do animal- I now. So do I. After you tried to steal mine. <laughs> yeah, true. I'm, I'm sitting on the beach right in Animal Crossing I'm fishing everything is great and I look up in the horizon and I see Charlotte's avatar trying to like hit and grab my Ben Solo memorial candle and I text her I go were you just hitting my Ben Solo memorial candle she goes yeah I was trying to steal it I wanted it I was like wow Wow. (laughs) So, pro tip, you can't take stuff aside from fruit and plants from other people's islands.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, moving on from Animal Crossing. We have finally reached the conclusion of the Ahsoka Walkabout arc. And I'm actually really sad to be at this point because that only means that there are four more episodes left of the Clone Wars entirely. And I'm really sad. I'm really... I, I, I'm sad.
0: Yeah, I'm sad too. We've officially crossed the halfway point. So that's yeah. disappointing. That's uh, a bummer. It's just like... Yeah. It's,
1: <laughs> these episodes have been so great. The animation has been so beautiful. And I can't wait to revisit them later. But it's just... just mm, mm, I can't believe her. this is it. Like We got this gift of... There's going to be more. And then it's like oh but it's almost over it feels so sad yeah yeah it's it's come very
0: quickly it's funny are literally waiting for it for so long but thank god that clone wars is happening right now you know, know. during know. this time totally. <laughs> we, i i i'm at the point now where i really don't remember jay's <laughs> <Me too. laughs> it's so hard and sometimes i wake up and i'm like oh It'll be like 9.30, and I'm like, wow, wait, it's fr- it's Friday. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's Friday. I didn't watch Clone Wars yet. <laughs> <laughs> the past few weeks, this has happened, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> what is happening to me?
1: <laughs> You'll remember this week, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, this week I will. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's been weird, too, because I knew we weren't going to be recording immediately as well, so it was almost like it didn't exist, which right. sounds strange, but I don't know. It was just it's 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 a hard time sometimes guys
1: (laughs) for me with the clone wars i always want to watch it as soon as i can because i want to be able to go on twitter with like free reign you know of (laughs) of not seeing any spoilers or any sort of conversation which i think is all well and good i don't know i'm kind of in in the camp of if you want to talk about the clone wars in like a vague way um, the episode about like how excited you are, then like go ahead and go for it. Um but and I'll stay off Twitter until I need to, but until I see the episode. So I do try to watch it as soon as I can and sometimes that's noon, which means I don't get to go on Twitter until noon. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about me which is sad. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. because like, 'cause I'm addicted. I could,
0: <laughs> I could mute things, but I'm also really bad about muting things and you know, everything with the with muting for Rise of Skywalker just got so intense. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Do you remember after we saw Rise of Skywalker, sitting in my car afterwards, and we we're like, "Wow, we can unmute
1: everything." Yeah, it was crazy. There was it like three hundred mutes. Yeah, it took a long time too. Yeah, and then someone was like, "You know, you can bulk do that." We were, we like, were like, "Oh, no, we didn't. We just sat here for an hour doing." That. Great. <laughs>
0: It was a good bonding experience. (laughs) Okay, so we are actually going to talk about this episode, which, as we said, was the last episode in the Ahsoka Walkabout uh, arc for Season 7 of The Clone Wars. So it's called Together Again, and it was directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, and it was written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray once again.
1: So in part one, we're going to be ranking these episodes and kind of giving an overall review of this arc. And in part two, story. And in part three, characters. So without further ado, let's get started. So that, of course, was my main focus, is making a Star Wars that George Lucas was proud of. Obviously proud enough to want to put it up on the big screen, and we're all thrilled about that. But, uh, you know, hey, fans are passionate. And whether they say for good or for ill about anything, any aspect of it, it's because they love it. You know, they, they, they want it to be good. They, want it to, it to, they feel an ownership over Star Wars at this point. And I respect that, I mean, in both directions. You know, I, I, I respect the good things I've heard, and I respect when fans says, ah, why is it animated? Ah, okay, I get it, but, you know, give it a chance and check it out, and I think they'll be surprised, because I'm a fan and I like it.
0: Okay, welcome to part one, where we're going to kind of be doing a bit of an overview of the arc as a whole and talking about our favorite episodes and kind of ranking them. We did this for The Bad Batch, and I think it was a a good discussion. But we are also going to start off with the fortune cookie for this episode, which was you can change who you are, but you can't run from yourself, which is a little bit of a little ominous, I think, as well. (laughs) Mm, But what did you think about this fortune cookie, Charlotte?
1: It's fine. I think it makes sense for what we saw. I think Ahsoka really had to come to terms with herself and her history and who she was and where she was raised in this episode. Um and I think this fortune cookie came to that conclusion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um I would say it's funny because I think in our last episode we had this conversation about how some um fortune cookies are pretty basic. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just really like, Yep, that makes sense. That's immoral. <laughs> I was recently watching An episode um oh what's the episode called Caitlin and i you you and i both watched it um what's the one it's on mandalore maul obi-wan yeah the lawless the fortune cookie for that one is the most basic thing i've ever read and it made me laugh out loud in in terms of our conversation i just want to mention it here it's like good and bad separates morality or something (laughs) i was like yeah great <laughs> good <laughs> that's exactly what that means it's just like yeah so in in this conversation about whether or not they're deep enough or anything i don't really think that's the, that should be the conversation because sometimes these fortune cookies are so basic that it you know that fortune cookie specifically was so basic and the lawless episode is so loaded and so deep and jam-packed <laughs> with stuff that it just did not really reflect what was going on which i thought was funny. Anyway. That's
0: a tangent. It was a good tangent, and the lawless is a great episode. <laughs> <I know. laughs> what, um, what I think is funny—not funny, but interesting—with this fortune cookie in particular. And yeah, I think you're right. It's kind of like, okay, got it. Um, but did Ahsoka really change a whole lot? Like, has she changed who she is, but not running from herself?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I don't think she has. I think that she is almost, like, acclimatizing. Is that yeah. even a word? Uh, um, It is, right? Yes. She's acclimating. <laughs> acclimating. Thank you. Acclimating to <laughs> her th- surroundings. I think
0: yours is a word, too. I'm just not 100%.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just sounded weird when it I said did. it out loud. It did. <laughs> I, I feel like she's really just getting used to her n- new life, but I don't think she necessarily changed. in her arc in this these four episodes to me is realizing that she can't run from she can run from the jedi physically but she can't run from the jedi emotionally since that's her emotional core she will always help people and i think that that i don't know i think that she had to do some internal thinking about that but she didn't necessarily change her ways
0: yeah, I think it's an interesting fortune cookie. I agree with everything you said, but I it's an interesting fortune cookie that talks about change when I don't actually think that Ahsoka has changed a whole lot. I mean her situation
1: has undoubtedly changed, oh, right? Like Yeah, but that's not what the fortune cookie's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just it's it's an interesting fortune cookie that I don't necessarily think wholly lines up with. Ahsoka. I guess she's trying to hide who she is, but in this episode, that all comes out. So,
1: mm. right. I think I think this fortune cookie can also apply to people like Anakin. Uh, in his like, you can in so many ways. These fortune cookies in Star Wars can be applied to like numerous characters and numerous scenarios. And I think that this one you could probably apply to Anakin's whole arc as, you know, Darth Vader and then returning to the light in the end. You know, we can change who you are, but you can't run from yourself just who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that Ahsoka doesn't have necessarily that sort of drastic of a change for us to point to in a similar way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we're also, like we did for the Bad Batch arc, we are going to rank our favorite episodes from this arc. So do we want to start from the bottom and work our way up or the other way
1: around? Why don't you start with your number four and then go to your number one? Okay. Okay
0: so my least favorite of the arc was actually this episode together again uh this was i mean it was a good episode don't get me wrong but i think i wanted a little bit more of an emotional punch in this one that whereas i think this episode was kind of more focused on the action side of things so i think that's why i put it as my least favorite from the arc yeah um why don't you do
1: the whole list caitlin
0: Okay. So I did Together Again, and then Dangerous Debt was my third favorite, and then Gone with a Trace was my second favorite, the very first episode, and then Deal No Deal was my favorite of – the arc so far i think deal or no deal was i don't know it just hit all the right buttons for me i think the character beats were really great i think the action like the them in the cockpit of the silver angel fighting while also being chased like it just like it all worked really well for me i had a really great time with that episode
1: I completely agree with that one. I think the dynamics were at their prime, Mm -hmm. and the writing was really, really, really perfect for me. That was my number one as well. But my number four was Dangerous Debt, just that last episode. It's probably just my least favorite. I, above that, though, I put together again this episode, and I think they're pretty close. But I, I don't know. I think this pro- episode probably gets a little bit of an edge because of the mall cameo and Bo-Katan returning and everything just kind of being tied up. Um, and then for me, it's gone with a trace and then deal no deal for the same reasons that you said. For me, that episode is the Clone Wars. It was so familiar to me. It was so good. I loved it.
0: Yeah, same for me. I loved Deal, No Deal. It just it was firing on all cylinders. It was really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, so good. So comparing this arc to the Bad Batch arc, do you, I mean, they're so different, but do you have a favorite or were there some things that you thought Bad Batch did better or some things that you thought the Ahsoka Walkabout did better?
1: I think the Bad Batch arc built up to a point better than the Ahsoka Arc. But I don't I don't know. I, I hesitate to compare. I think it's really hard to because I really do think that Dave Filoni wants us to view this whole series as one single piece. And I think it will be illuminated in the Siege of Mandalore arc why these two were part of this for this last, you know, those last four episodes. And I just want to hold off personally for me to compare all of them. I don't know. I feel like th- we will understand if we weren't like a huge fan of the certain episode, it, it will come up later. Like I know it will, mm-hmm. because I think that's, there's a reason why certain things happen. And I, I do trust Dave Filoni in his storytelling that everything matters. And I think that because it is the last season and Dave wanted to finish this the way that he had intended, I really do believe that. I really believe that everything matters. And I, I I say this because I think that I do think that this will be an arc that the Ahsoka one that we'll look back upon when we talk about Ahsoka as a character and as like a a point in her life that we can discuss and break down. And it's a little bit of a turning point, I think. A little bit. It's a big turning point where Ahsoka's finally on her own and she has to decide who she is. And I think that, it, I don't know, it's, it's a totally different story than the Bad Batch arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we have these two stories, I can't wait to see these two puzzle pieces, how they fit into the greater picture. Because right now they feel so separate it, yeah. to the point where this this arc, I guess, takes place. Before the Bad Batch arc, I've I've heard that online, and you know, Clone Wars and their chronology is just so funny to me. But I I think that it's it's deliberate, and I think that Dave by when Dave talks about we have an arc that focuses on Anakin and Rex, and then we have an arc that focuses on Ahsoka and how the Clone Wars in a way is really about Rex's point of view through the Clone Wars and Ahsoka's point of view through the Clone Wars. And I think it makes perfect sense why we'd have um, these two arcs that are so driven by these two characters. And I, I'm excited to see how the perspectives that we learn from these two arcs work together in the Siege of Mandalore arc, which has been (laughs) hyped so much that I really hope it lives up to the hype. I think it's going to, but I, it's, um, we're in for
0: something, you know? They better give me some freaking amazing behind-the-scenes content of motion capture Ray Park.
1: Okay. And um, now, anything is possible now that they're releasing an eight-part yes. Mandalorian behind-the-scenes documentary. Exactly. <laughs> be so, so never good. say never. I have so much faith in behind-the-scenes content now. <laughs> I... <laughs> i do
0: i do it's At like least 50 50 it's like 50 50 i'll say you know <laughs> i
1: can't beat around the bush with that when disney plus needs content you know they yeah. know where to where to find it <laughs>
0: they they were literally just waiting they were like we're just gonna save this for when things look dire <laughs>
1: <laughs> now
0: <laughs> literally literally
1: Um, if you guys haven't heard by the way i feel like we're we're making a joke of this but today they announced it on may the 4th it's gonna be a great may the 4th they're gonna bring out eight full episodes of behind the scenes mandalorian content with john favreau and like a round table-esque which is like the star wars dinner oh my god it's gonna be so good what Um, are they gonna eat oh my god we're gonna i don't know with clips and behind the scenes stuff so eight whole episodes that Potentially means eight hours of behind-the-scenes content from The Mandalorian. That's and okay, they're releasing all the episodes on the day.
0: Eight hours around one table.
1: <laughs> I need it. I love it.
0: I want it so <laughs> bad. Um, But yeah, so going back to the question of like the Bad Batch arc versus the Ahsoka walkabout arc, you're right. They, are, they feel so disconnected right now. But I think like you mentioned, Charlotte, like Dave Filoni has said a couple times leading up to this season that he really sees it as like Rex's perspective and Ahsoka's perspective and so it makes sense to 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 have these be the arcs you know thinking you know how little like Anakin and Obi-Wan content there has been so far but it makes sense when you think about like the the story that he's trying to tell and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later but just the idea that like we know where Anakin and Obi-Wan are going you know so it's more thinking about what this world looks like for people whose perspectives we haven't really experienced yet for Order 66, which I think is important and good to do. I will say that I think – like, ultimately, I think that I think that the Bad Batch was overall more emotional for me. Uh, like, I think the emotional beats hit a little better in Bad Batch than Ahsoka's Walkabout, honestly. And we'll talk about that more in, like, characters and, and story and stuff like that, but – I do think that they are just so separate right now, but we are going to see how these pieces have all come together because ultimately we're still in the middle of this season. We're about to get Mm -hmm. into the back half of the back end of it, back third, but we are still in the middle. And because these are so separated and like Ahsoka is not a part of the war anymore, it's not going to have that same connectivity that it would have prior Like if she had been in just a different battle where they might have communicated. Whereas right now they're obviously not communicating like Rex and Ahsoka or really Rex or Anakin and Ahsoka. Aside from what we, the like force bond that we saw earlier in this arc. But yeah, it's all, it's all (laughs) leading to a big finale.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I can't, oh my God, I can't wait. The rumbles online about the people who have seen it oh my god I'm so excited specifically yeah. Sam Witwer who says <laughs> quote things that you didn't know happened happened I was like yes that's all I need to know what, thank what you I, <laughs> okay <laughs>
0: Yeah. I agree I'm fine
1: <laughs> okay let's talk about the story
0: yes so if you're a captain and I'm a Jedi then technically I outrank you right in my book, experience outranks everything. Well,
1: if experience outranks everything, I guess I better start getting some. Okay, so welcome to part two. We discuss the story. So, Caitlin, I think this is a good point to ask, what's the state of the Republic right now? And where are we in the timeline? I basically just answered that I think this happens before. And I think it was, this was confirmed on StarWars.com. but. This happens before or concurrently, at least some episodes, to the Bad Batch arc. Um, So I think we're... What do you think about that? What's going on? Thoughts? Things continue to look dire
0: for all parties involved. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's interesting about this episode in particular is, of course, the end when Bo-Katan comes and says, you know, we need you to come and help us fight a common enemy, which is Maul. So things are clearly coming to a head. We get a little bit more I, – I hesitate to say details because I'm still so confused about a lot of the crime syndicates. <laughs> but I need someone to make me like an infographic, like a flow chart of all the crime syndicates <laughs> and like their To be leaders. honest, Caitlin, I
1: don't think it's defined purposely.
0: I know. I mean – Yes, but <laughs> I still I still need a basic infographic. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I understand that. <laughs> and,
0: uh, you and I were talking about this for like two hours <laughs> one week, where we were like, "Okay, is he here? Is who does he does this? He's with these people." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we were watching Solo the other night, and I was like, we ew, and I, we were texting about this specifically because yeah, it does get confusing in terms of what Dryden boss like, overseas and who is he, if he reports to Maul, then what does that mean, and all these things. The point of this conversation that Keela and I are going back and forth on is that it's not defined, and I actually think that if I can make a prediction, we're going to get some kind of definition in the next couple episodes about what Maul has been up to and why he's reinstated on Mandalore right why he's there what what he controls and why Bo-Katan needs their help you know Mm
0: -hmm. well I think that what his hologram which number one the hologram was so great it was so eerie how he could sense Ahsoka there or he saw her Mm. or sensed her Mm, chills and uh I think it's clear though that Maul has set himself up as a part of their group, as a part of this crime syndicate group. But now he is rising above all of it, and the Pikes kind of say say that in after Maul turns off his hologram, right? And the the one of the croonies or whatever to the king, or he's like, "What? Like we don't need to listen to Maul. Like we don't. Why are we so afraid of him?" And he's like. Well, we we kind of should be.
1: <laughs> and yep. that's,
0: that's not a quote from the show, obviously. I don't remember the exact quote. But the implication was that Maul is someone to be feared. And even though they're all crime lords and Maul isn't the king of the crime lords, he's slowly making himself king of the crime lords and they're all like they i think they all it's like you can kind of see a situation where they all welcomed him in basically as like this force user and he's super evil and he's super talented and they let him in and then suddenly he becomes like a dictator over them and i think that's what we're seeing him doing now
1: yeah, I totally agree. Oh, my God, that scene was so good. I think that was the highlight of the episode for me, which is no surprise. I think it was the highlight for a lot of people's, um in the episode. But I I also – it was great to hear the mention of Crimson Dawn. This is kind of out of universe. But to have these things thread together from Maul to bo to Ursa Ren, right? All mm-hmm. these things, like, coming together, it really does – I think it strengthens the bond between all this ancillary material um, and it that like support the films, but also exist on their own. Right. So we have now this this tie to, uh, to Solo, but it really just like completely fills in the background. And if we have the story that takes place before Solo that started back in 2008 and we have Solo that came out in 2018, all these things, I think, I don't know, it's so great to have a show that started in 2018. 20- 2008 to refer to something that was basically started in with solo. It's it's we're really lucky to have this. And now we have this connection with Sabine Wren and everything. And these things are not possible if we didn't go back and finish the clone wars. And I'm just really thankful for that because that connectivity sometimes makes makes the universe feel too small. But in this case, I really do think that it, it strengthens the importance of these stories. And um, overall it just makes me feel really thankful for this sort of like uh, this woven character i don't know blanket that we have (laughs) (laughs) blanket (laughs) this quilt this this big star (laughs) wars blanket (laughs) that
0: we have yeah i think it's just it's it's one of the great things about star wars that how it hops around in its own timeline so much is that it really can it can thread these 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 story threads through the blanket at multiple points. I can't, I can't run with this blanket metaphor anymore, but it it's just it's a bad metaphor. It's I bad. Tried. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. It's not like our boiling water one for resistance. That one was chef's kiss. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> the blanket one was good effort. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I, we wouldn't be able to have so many of these, of these callbacks and tie-ins. And it is nice because you know that, you know that like Dave Filoni and the whole story group within Clone Wars and like story group in general, like that's their that's their purpose is to keep track of all of these things and where there is opportunity to try and make things feel natural and connected, but not overdone. And I think that so far Clone Wars has done that really well. And it, it is great that You know, like, if you – like, instead of doing a chronological timeline of just doing, like, a timeline of when things get filled in in the Star Wars timeline versus, our like, within our real world, I think it's just – it's so fun, like, the back and forth. You know, like, you try to explain to people, like, there's a new season of Clone Wars that's coming out, and they're like, oh, when's that? And you're like, oh, it takes place between – Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. They're like, oh, I thought they already did that. And you're like, yeah, they they did. It it started in 2008, and they're like, it's still going on? It's like, no, 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 no. It stopped in 2012, but
1: like now we're coming back to it. But it's like still before Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> they're like, oh. <laughs> the amount of times that I feel like in my life I've had to explain the like, wretched horror that is the Star Wars timeline of releases... <laughs> Such a mess. Such like how much? Mess. How much of my brain is taken up with
0: the fact of knowing that, like,
1: like Solo, honestly, a lot of
0: it. <laughs> like when Solo came out, like the fact that I can rattle off these years and you know, like Resistance takes place throughout the entire sequel trilogy, but it's not like a hundred percent clear. And, like, <laughs> and when it was made, and like even being able to keep track of like some production timelines too, it's just like. Why? <laughs> because we care because and that's we why care. we're here. <laughs> and welcome to Skytalckers. <laughs> oh yeah, it's good. it's 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 fun though, but it just like I don't know. I feel like there aren't a lot of other franchises that do this. and I guess and, and like Marvel even, like, does. Yeah, but like comic books play around with timelines so much anyway. Mm-hmm. that i f- i feel like marvel in that vein is like completely different uh, as far as like how they treat their timeline and stuff like that i mean doctor strange <laughs> for one and thing and so
1: often marvel operates in the the current day like mm-hmm. a, a a present that we're familiar with that they can use certain settings to date them when star wars doesn't exist in that sort of timeline at all so it's we're really as fans we're like yeah the mandalorians after return of the jedi it's like five years after return of the jedi did you know that because not a lot of people know that (laughs) i feel like the general audience has no idea
0: (laughs) i forget who i was talking with one time and again it's you know we talk about this a lot but it's like people who don't know how big of a star wars fan you are (laughs) and they're like oh, the iceberg. Yeah, yeah. They're like oh yeah, like <laughs> the Mandalorian uh, like people yeah oh yeah, I was on um I was on a work like lunch zoom call a couple weeks ago. It could have been yesterday, I don't know. <laughs> and, and they were and I had my chopper pillow behind me on the couch and someone was like look at that R2D2 pillow. <laughs> <laughs> you like Star Wars? And I was like Yes, yeah. comma, this is not rtd <laughs> And they're like, oh, who is that? Like, this is Chopper. He's from Rebels, <laughs> the animated series. <laughs> like, just, like, the snowball keeps going. And, the, and then this one guy brought up Clone Wars. And they're like, oh, yeah, The Mandalorian. And, you know, like, it takes some place. It's like during the original trilogy. And I'm like, actually, comma, it's not. It's <laughs> not.
1: After the original trilogy. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: just like this whole thing. And they're like, oh, I didn't like, aren't there more than one animated show? And I'm like, there are three. (laughs) (laughs) Plus a YouTube series or two. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, sorry, bad tangent. But (laughs) (laughs) the Star Wars release timeline is could be
1: uh, could be research of its own. It truly could. Okay, so back to the episode. In this episode, where did we start and where did we end?
0: We started in jail and we ended with Ahsoka leaving Trace and Rafa to move into the Siege of Mandalore.
1: (laughs) I think that this moment was, I, I think to your earlier point about it could be more emotional, I think this is where I could have had more emotion, the end point. I like the fact that she leaves her bike there. It's it's this glimmer of hope or, like, the future possibility. But I definitely was excited to see her leave with Bo. And I kind of wanted that to be a little bit more emotional. And maybe it was – I also think that Kevin Kiner – I just rewatched the clip. um, Kevin Kiner didn't play, like, the Ahsoka theme. It was a whole new theme that I had never heard before. And I think that definitely didn't, um, like – new themes are fine that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying that it didn't play at my heart strengths like the Ahsoka theme usually does you know Mm -hmm. and I think that maybe it was because I was like yes she made the right choice like great let's go you know maybe it wasn't that emotional Um, maybe it wasn't supposed to be like that I don't know if I'm misreading it
0: yeah no I think that In the Clone Wars download, Dave, I think it was Dave or it was the director, Nathaniel, someone in the Clone Wars download talked about having like – Bringing bo very specifically into this little piece at the end of the show, really, like when she reveals herself in order to like serve as a connecting piece. And I think their quote was propelling Ahsoka forward into the final arc. Like it was meant to be super fluid, but it's interesting. I'll have to go back and listen for the music in that piece because I feel like I heard some glimmers of Ahsoka's theme throughout. But I will say that I think this arc as a whole has has been really musical. I feel like there's been a lot more music throughout this whole arc than there was in The Bad Batch. I feel like all of their action sequences, like even just kind of walking around, it was, it was very musical.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it was on Friends of the Force, Brad um, had interviewed Kevin Kiner, and he was talking about how he had um, done so much new music for this season. In fact, that he actually uh, recomposed the the theme and the end credit music. And I think hinted that there's going to be differences in the Siege of Mandalore arc, which I think is expected, especially since they changed the logo to red instead of yellow, which is so good. But I, I think that there was a lot of composing that happened for um, this. And it would make sense to me as... We we all know that Dave loves Ahsoka. That that there would be extra care in making sure this arc had the proper like music support. Not that other other arcs don't have this, but I just think that there was a certain attention to detail that would happen with these episodes specifically.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So. I know this is kind of this story part b- where we talk about this episode specifically, but what about some of the themes in this arc as a whole? I think it feels, I think maybe because we have talked about it so much, but it almost feels like a little obvious about the bigger themes in this arc. But I think they're worth breaking down a little bit more because this is a walkabout and the things that she's doing during this time, Are meant to be super important for her next steps. And while I think that some of the, like some of her internal monologue should have been vocalized a little bit more, and I think that's kind of the weakness for this arc overall, I think the things that it did really well, as far as its themes like friendship and trust and identity, it did those pieces really well and I think the friendship one is probably the one that stands out the most because they all did just come such a long way from the first episode and I just I loved seeing Rafa kind of do this you know, at the end being like, Well I can't let I can't let Ahsoka hold it over my head if she survives that she let us go. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I thought the whole thing I just I loved seeing Rafa's relationship with Ahsoka. It's funny because I think when we started this arc we were really anticipating the friendship and and even possible relationship uh, between Ahsoka and like Trace and then kind of seeing how it propelled with I think Trace skewing a lot younger than I know I had initially thought she was and then this dynamic between Rafa and Ahsoka really becoming I think for me the most interesting piece of this arc and they're kind of clashing and coming to this common ground and kind of. What I loved, too, about the, about their friendship in particular was they would come to this common ground and then lose it and then come back to it again <laughs> throughout the arc. <laughs> so true. Uh, like, so true. And I think that's – you mentioned this at the top of the show, Charlotte, but about it just being so – like the dialogue in these episodes. I think the dialogue in these episodes, you, we're comparing to Bad Batch earlier. And, again, they're hard to compare. But I think that the dialogue in these episodes – was amazing. Like, it's I better think it,
1: than Bad Batch for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, and um, just like a like I'm thinking of Deal No Deal when they're having that argument and they're arguing so much about what to do with the spice and then Trace dumps it and then they're both suddenly talking in unison and how they agree with each other and then they lose it again and Rafa's like, Oh no, she fell, she died, <laughs> and then suddenly she's like on Ahsoka's side and totally picks up on ahsoka's plan for them to go uh in in this episode and i just if everything about the dialogue in this arc just felt so realistic and watching these characters kind of fall in and out with each other also feels very realistic because Relationships are never static, and Mm -hmm. even though this is a very condensed like couple of days or whatever it is for Ahsoka, it was nice to see that give and take between Ahsoka and Rafa. And it, like I said, I think I expected this, this theme of friendship to really be about Ahsoka and Trace. And for me, I think Ahsoka and Rafa's relationship stood out the
1: most. That's interesting. I think that's a really good perspective. I don't think I thought about it that way because I do think that if I could pinpoint who Ahsoka was closest to... Of them, it would be traced. So that, w- and I think that you wouldn't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But I think that perhaps you're you're correct in that the dynamic between Rafa and Ahsoka is more interesting because it is more tumultuous. But I think that it's really if you look back on Ahsoka's friendships, her friendships have been with guys, and her like her one friend who was a a girl is Barris. Bummer, And I know. So it's, it's great that we have this because now Ahsoka made a friend and it had a happy ending to the point where she leaves her her bike there. And mm-hmm. to me, I think that's that's worth it. We needed Ahsoka to have these moments of, yes, this uh, th- this arc had its ups and downs in terms of strife and struggle and. You know, deals and no deals, haha. But I think that (laughs) I think that in the end, it ended so differently than her friendship with Barris, and it that's a that's the comparison point, you know. Yeah, and I am so happy for her because you know that she has a lonely life going forward. At least that's how that's what I've always assumed. Ahsoka is she's she's no Jedi, but she's on her own path and. It's it's nice to have seen her make friends along the way, and you know I think Trace did really like Ahsoka and like having her around. So there's that that mutuality there, rather than Ahsoka just wanting to be around someone, which I don't think was her intention anyway. It was it I don't know. There was this this great companionship that probably she was missing from being with. Anakin and Obi-Wan and the whole, and Rex and all the everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That she got in these two sisters. And I think that was great. And this is something that Ashley Eckstein, I think, has talked about in several interviews about how it's just nice to see Ahsoka with friends. And I think that we can probably just leave it at that because it's, it is nice. It's nice to watch a show of friendship that ends. I I don't know about like we were I was pretty worried that maybe one of them was going to die tragically to you just never know with Star Wars anymore. And (laughs) it didn't end that way, you know? Yeah. And instead, we have Ahsoka making a friend and her her good efforts to help people being rewarded. And I'm thrilled about that.
0: Yeah, I am too. It's I know we had talked about this last week about the idea of Trace and Rafa probably likely, probably not going with Ahsoka to the siege of Mandalore, which was true (laughs) and how them saying something along the lines of like, you're always welcome back here. And they didn't say that, but that sentiment was there. And like you said, Ahsoka leaving her bike there was, it just, it it was heartwarming (laughs) and they all kind of had come to this greater understanding together. And, because it's, you know, the title
1: together again. <laughs> Indeed. I think another theme in this episode was trust. Something I've really appreciated about this episode is within the story when Ahsoka reveals or doesn't reveal really the plan to, to get out of this whole situation. It's all to do with trust. The sisters have to believe that Ahsoka has her own plan and that she's going to basically double cross them in order to... Um, get it done. And they have to trust her that they're still friends at the end of it, which is obviously the way that it goes, but they definitely doubt themselves when they are leaving. And I think there's a really funny exchange between the two sisters about, well, obviously that was what she was going for. Like she wouldn't have just said that. I loved that part. I thought that was great because I think as an audience member, you are like, well, I don't know, maybe you just never know, you know, the doubt kind of creeps in. But um, in the end, I think that Ahsoka gave the sisters this like wonderful gift of being able to like figure it out themselves, to figure out how to to deal with the spice themselves without Ahsoka's force powers, without Ahsoka's insight of the galaxy, anything like that. She, they don't they don't need that. But instead, she allows them to get out of the mess themselves while also saving Ahsoka and helping her. Um and basically doing it all their own her own, their own, you know?
0: Yeah, I was really surprised that they came up with such a good plan. (laughs) 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 What I thought was funny is when they got to where they were loading the spice with all the Ben (laughs) Quajaneros is around and Rafa puts up such a fight, which she did not do when they were with the Pikes. And I remember commenting on it back then and being like, I really liked how Trace could fight the Pikes and like her older sister couldn't. Um, but Rafa was so capable in this episode. Like, when she drops the, I don't even like the the freighter or whatever it is, and that guy falls to his death. I was like, oh yes, there's a lot of death in Clone Wars. <laughs> and she's don't just sitting, on, she's just sitting like on top of the crane, and is like, bye. And I'm like, you just killed that guy. <laughs> but Yeah, I I liked that they – I mean, I think that goes into that whole – like, the whole concept of trust, right, is that Ahsoka let them go. Rafa trusted Ahsoka's – Rafa trusted Ahsoka and Zoda Trace, but Rafa understood what Ahsoka was doing in that moment, which Trace didn't initially. But then they – they had enough trust like in themselves to figure out how to get back to Ahsoka. What I liked about this arc too, and we'll talk about this with kind of the theme of identity and about like who Ahsoka is, is I think that as an audience at this juncture in time, we trust Ahsoka's decisions. And like we, I think we trust that we know who she is, even if, She perhaps still has some things to figure out, but you had put this quote in here um, from Dave, Charlotte, and is it okay if I read it? Yeah, go ahead. And it's from Dave and he said, quote, at the end of the day for Soka, even though she's left the Jedi Order, she cannot, in my opinion, deny that she was raised there and it has made a profound impression on her. She's going to do the right thing. She cannot just look at people that are in peril and walk away from it. There's just no way she could do that. It's not who she is, end quote. And I think that You know, watching Ahsoka go through this whole thing with Trace and Rafa, you know, there have been critiques about it almost being too small scale. Why do we care about these sisters? What is Ahsoka doing? But it would be weird if she had left them, (laughs) you know, because that's not who Ahsoka is. If she... I think, and I think like Rafa keeps asking her this throughout the whole arc. Like, what are you, why do you care about us? (laughs) Why are you still here? (laughs) And it's who Ahsoka is to help people. And right now she's fixated. sounds almost negative, but she is focused on Trace and Rafa because she sees people that need help. And, there's a lot that they don't know about the galaxy and she has the opportunity to make sure they're okay. And there's something really comforting and endearing, I think. And I think that's part of why Ahsoka has such a legacy as a character is because, we trust who she is and we talk about this a lot with her character about her pulling the best pieces of like Obi-Wan and Anakin and herself and like the Jedi Order as a whole and that really carrying her through to in a lot of ways be like a true Jedi even though
1: she no longer identifies as one. Yeah, I I don't think I could have said it better than you. I, I completely agree. I think when it comes to the theme of identity, I honestly think that's the theme of this whole Arc. I think if Dave, if we can imagine Dave Filoni wanting, you know, coming up with a goal for what he needed to do with this arc, I think that it really is to establish Ahsoka's identity after she leaves the Jedi Order because that had forever been a question mark about what what she does in those days past. And I think that in a way they still are a question mark, you know. But like you said, I think that we do trust as an audience in a meta sort of way. Uh, that Ahsoka knows who she is to kind of l- speculate a little bit about the next four episodes. I do think that that sort of trust is going to be used against us. <laughs> um, I think our implicit understanding of Ahsoka right now, after we got four episodes of, okay, sh- she has Jedi-, Jedi, sensibilities, but she's not a Jedi. I really do think that it's going to, we're going to be kind of taken advantage of in that sort of situation. And our understanding of who ahsoka is will be pushed i think we've seen some some of it in the previews and for people who aren't watching i don't i don't want to spoil it but i i think that when ahsoka does um meet maul i think some things are definitely going to be tested and our understanding of ahsoka will be tested however i think that we we know ahsoka is a good character a good person and um we will re- we'll keep that in the back of our minds. If S- Star Wars is about hope, then we understand that there's always, that she's always going to want to help somebody, right? You just got me a little stressed with that. I mean, do you not think that she's going to, like, I think that in general, if we're going to have a stressful situation, a stressful four <laughs> episodes, our main character is going to be tested. But I do, and I think that that, that in particular is something that is going to be tested. I think that Rex's, um, impulse and his um i think that the bad batch arc was really about rex trusting himself and trusting his instincts and i think it, this arc was about ahsoka finding out who she is and her and like establishing her identity the separation between the jedi and um herself as a as a separate being um and I think that both those things are going to be tested. I think the Rex is probably the easiest one to answer because of order 66. And we know what's going to happen. It, his, his impulses are completely, I don't know. They're not going to be reliable, Inhibited. right? Yeah, exactly. Because he has a chip inside of him. And with Ahsoka, I think the, the same thing can be said for her character, The shoe will be tested and our understanding of her will be tested. And if if again like i say if we could think about how dave is writing this arc i think that both of we can look back at these two arcs now and think about okay well here's here's how we're setting up the final piece so that it's the most satisfying for our characters so it pushes it to the most bounds that we can go and can really take everything that we've learned about them for seven whole seasons and put everything to the test and um it's great that we have these two arcs that then to kind of look back on as these these kind of like guiding sails almost um ooh, good metaphor. I, uh, thank you thank you <laughs> i I feel like we will be tested in our understanding of these characters, and I want to be tested. I think that is what makes really great storytelling um is when you think you know a character and they push that, they, they push that meta understanding a little bit further. Um, it's happened to the last Jedi. It happened. And that's one of the reasons why I love it. And I think that Dave is quite aware of that. He's done that before. To me, he's done that before, I think in rebels um, too. So I don't know. I'm excited. But I think that in terms of to, to return to my, the, the conversation of, um, the theme of identity, I think that that is purely what Ahsoka has to go through throughout this entire arc.
0: I hope so. I hope so. Because I think that, and I guess, I guess maybe we should move into character, but I think that for me, I think that was kind of the weak point of this arc and why Together Again was my least favorite of the batch is because these like really important things happened, like Bo-Katan coming back and basically giving Ahsoka a new call to action and the Martez sisters finding out that Ahsoka was a Jedi, but it wasn't really like discussed. And for me, I think that that identity question is so important for Ahsoka in this time. And I don't know if I think they did the best job at exploring that throughout this arc. I think that all the things Ahsoka learned during this time are really important and and having that friendship and that trust with other people outside of the Jedi Order, finding that she could have trust with people outside the Jedi Order, I think is really important and a huge deal. But I don't know. It's like... They asked her, you know, Trace and Rafa are asking her, like, you're a Jedi? And she's like, no. And they're like, what? And she's like, it's complicated. And then the, it ends. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> let's talk about this more.
1: <laughs> circle back. <laughs>
0: let's, yeah, let's, let's circle the wagons. Let's discuss this just a smidge more. And the I, for me, honestly, it was almost kind of laughable at the end of the episode when Bo-Katan was like, you should come with me. You've got five minutes to decide. And Trace and Rafa are like, it seems like you really want to go with Bo-Katan. And, Ahsoka, and I'm like, does it? <laughs> she said anything? <laughs> and then Ahsoka says this really heavy line, which I wish I had written down. But she's like, I don't know if I like the path that I think it leads to or something like that. It was very ominous. <laughs> yeah it was and, good I
1: remember it too but I don't remember it specifically
0: <laughs> yeah it was whatever it was was very heavy very ominous but that's the only thing she says about it and then she is like okay bye I'm gonna leave my bike here <laughs> and it goes and I'm like I think these are all really heavy things <laughs> that have happened and we have not talked about them at all and you know even bringing up like Ahsoka has been so incredibly betrayed very recently in this timeline, relatively recently. And there's just, again, like you guys, you guys know us and I'm kind of like, welcome to part three and (laughs) character. And like, we were talking about, like, female friendship and, and her even having friends. And the only person that she had as a friend her own age is the one who gave her up, who sacrificed her. But then at the end of the day, like, you look at Barris's story and, and Barris is right. Like, she's right to be distrustful of the Jedi during this time. But... And I think Ahsoka has realized that. Maybe she has. I don't know. She hasn't talked about it. Like how much how much is she hurting from what happened with Barris? And and how much does she miss Anakin and Obi-Wan? And again, we we before this season and this arc came up, what we wanted a lot of from it was talking about how Ahsoka feels about all of the things that have happened to her. And I like I said, I I don't think that this arc really addressed it very well. To play devil's advocate,
1: I agree with you because I think that this arc could have been angstier overall, like completely. <laughs> but I, I, I just want to remind you that we had a couple moments of um, kind of clarity, I think, into understanding Ahsoka's mind that I think could speak to your complaints a little bit. Specifically when Rafa and Trace were talking about their own past their opinions about the Jedi, everything like that. You have Ahsoka trying to argue and then realizing that she agrees. And there's a couple of like, honestly, micro moments that really do inform her her own headspace there that I think were really powerful. Even her referring to Anakin as my older brother, I think was so affectionate that Mm -hmm. really does, like it codes a sense of longing for a family member, you know? Yeah. And I think that, while i think that i agree with you that things could have been angstier sadder more drawn out i think that though there, it's there this 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 you know figuring out what she agrees with what she doesn't agree with i think that's why she was drawn to these two people who also had s- strong emotions about the jedi and um, she's right there with him, with them, and she's wrestling with it. But then she's also part of them, so the opinion has kind of changed, you know. So then the the individual opinion changes on like, in terms of like a part of a whole, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. we can we can look at the Jedi as a whole and be a little. Uh, distrustful of them because of everything that has happened but at the same time when trace and rafa meet ahsoka and they find out she's a jedi i think their opinions of the jedi change and i think the same thing happens when ahsoka meets trace and rafa and hears her their own opinions and experiences with the jedi and it, it gives a different perspective and that perspective i think helps inform how Ahsoka, we can imagine Ahsoka's brain churning in terms of her own emotions because things are constantly flipping back and forth. And that's how I think she is right now, because things are constantly flipping back and forth, right? She misses her family. She misses her family being Anakin, I suppose, her older brother, Um, and, but she's also firm in her choice because she should have left, you know, I don't think anyone disagrees with that choice, you know, including Ahsoka. And I think that it's, it will always go back and forth because uh, from comfort and discomfort. And I think that's what she was experiencing in this episode. And I got that. And I, I know you did too. I think it could have been more, but there was there, you know, there were several situations I think that were, um, we're we're trying to do that in a in a less heavy-handed way
0: yeah, I think you're right. There definitely were – I think you described it well about there being micro moments of this. But even in, like, your description of of them, it's like, oh, we're imagining Ahsoka's emotions churning. Yeah. And I don't want to imagine
1: it. I want to I see the churn. <laughs> yeah, I want her to turn away while everyone's not looking and then get kind of sad. Yeah, that's yeah, what I want. yeah. That's what I want. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I, <laughs> I think it, it could have been – you know, maybe if if they had done the Jedi reveal in the third episode, and then we would have had time to like deal with it and talk about it more in the fourth episode, maybe the pacing could have been a little bit different there. Because I know, and I know we we talked about this in one of our episodes about the walkabout, but like, how would an internal monologue? dialogue kind of work in in Clone (laughs) Wars it's not something that we really have a ton of so I understand that there are some challenges there but yeah and and you know the thing is too is that there's still time like it's not like Ahsoka's arc is done by any Mm -hmm. means with this with this series because I find myself thinking about the the last scene with Anakin and Ahsoka where Anakin tells her, you know, this is the only life you've known. You're making a mistake. And part of me, like, wants to see Ahsoka doubt herself for a minute and wonder, am I making a mistake here? Was it a mistake to, to leave? Look at everything that's happening. Maul is back. And I think there's definitely room for that in the next four episodes. But I want her to ask herself if she actually did make the mistake or if this was the right call. Because at the end of it, I think, you know, she'll realize that it was the right decision. But I, I want to see her talk about it and think about it more. But you're right. Like, there definitely are those moments throughout these episodes. But for me, they are micro, and I, I think they are for you, too. And they're effective, like – how many times have I rewatched her saying, "My big brother taught me," <laughs> my older brother, <laughs> like they're very effective and they are meaningful. Uh, but I think there could have been room for more. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Okay, so we did kind of get ahead of ourselves, but do we want to jump into part three? <laughs>
1: let's jump. Let's jump into part three. Or rather, let's just announce that we're here because we're already here, basically. Okay, we're here. We're here. <laughs> part three. Okay, but before we get started in the character part, I just want to say that I really love the Ben Quadranero's Toons. Like, they look like Chicken McNuggets. <laughs> like, or like, <laughs> I don't know. And eating a lot of these chocolate-covered eggs from M&M's. Oh, my God. <laughs> they kind of look like that, too. Like They do. Just- so they- cartoony so perfect I love them and when they run around and I felt so bad for that 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 one who was just like I don't see the record you, just, you feel bad for them <laughs> <laughs> like my boss this Trantosian <laughs> yeah like god <laughs> yeah exactly and I just um, I loved them and you know this is just a moment to talk about how weird and wonderful Star Wars is that Clone Wars can, we could can spend I don't know an hour talking about emotions behind Ahsoka Tano and you know seven seasons worth of uh build up to this 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 arc that we're about to get right Mm -hmm. but also we can talk about the chicken McNugget men (laughs) who are loading up drugs on (laughs) on a ship (laughs) am I wrong (laughs)
0: Chicken McNuggets loading up drugs <laughs> on a ship <laughs> Yep, <laughs> with, with Maul as a crime syndicate who was dead cut in half but came back as a spider. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah yeah i love them too they do stand out so much like i think you could almost make the argument that they're too cartoony but they're yeah i agree i agree actually yes <laughs> they looked like i was i found my i was like they belong in monsters inc that's literally what i thought
1: <laughs> oh you're so right it's right. funny because i think in terms of star wars aliens it's not like the tunes aren't Traditional Star Wars aliens. I mean, we have seen Ben Quadrinero since 1999, but even then, Ben, ben Quadrinero was always a little bit of an enigma, you know, <laughs> in terms of an alien. I think that it's, uh, I think the Transosians kind of fit the Star Wars mold of Star Wars Alien a little bit better than the Toongs, but the Toongs deserve a place too. And seeing them together, oh boy, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> a real treat. <laughs>
0: Truly a treat. (laughs) Yeah, it it was great. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like I feel like I've said a lot about Ahsoka. Is there anything else that you want to add about Ahsoka's arc so far in the series?
1: No, I think that there was a really great quote, though, from Dave um, in the Star Wars, the download, the Clone Wars download um, about Ahsoka's character in this moment, and I think this is a really interesting perspective. He says, "It's just about relating to what people experience, what kids experience. No one wants to be an outsider. You want to be seen. You want to be heard." And it's interesting because I think that was really more in conversation about Trace and Rafa. But this idea of Ahsoka as an outsider and not wanting to be an outsider is a concept that I don't think that I was prepared to come to. I don't know about you. I think Mm -hmm. that. For me, I had always seen when Ahsoka leaves the Order that she would always be an outsider, and she had kind of accepted that. But this idea that J- Dave says, and I agree with him; he's right. No kid wants to experience being an outsider as, you know, as glamorous or as, you know, trendy as a book might make it seem. Being a wallflower, or an outsider—like it's, it's, just, it's sad. You know, no one really wants that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's interesting because. That perspective should be applied to Ahsoka in in our conversation about friendship and everything is that Ahsoka should want to be around other people. She should want to have other experiences. She's so young that um, she does want to be seen. I don't know about heard, but seen. And I thought this quote was really interesting in terms of the arc as a whole. And I wondered if you had any thoughts about Ahsoka's character really in regards to that.
0: Yeah, I think it kind of... I think when you read it, it kind of made me think about what we were talking about just a minute ago as far as this concept of, like, Ahsoka wondering if she actually did make a mistake in leaving the Jedi Order because now she's she is an outsider. And it's like, was this the right thing to do? I'm not – like, who – like, not even who am I anymore? Like, where do I belong? Yeah. And – like Trace and Rafa, and like now that she's she has a, a bit of a conclusion with Trace and Rafa of knowing that there's someone to come back to, but you know there's something we we talked about this a lot with Ray and Kylo. Like there's something to be said for having people that know ex- explicitly what you've been through, and there's no one who knows her better than Anakin and Obi Wan, but Anakin in particular, and so and and it's interesting because I found myself kind of surprised at how easily she went back with Bo-Katan and I think it's kind of dual-sided there that, like what we were saying earlier like we can trust that Ahsoka wants to do the right thing and so for her in some ways it's like yes I should go back with like Maul is is a threat to the galaxy whether or not I'm a Jedi I can do something about it and she's she's a good person and that's what she wants to do. But then it's also surprising because she just left that lifestyle and she was pulled back into it so quickly. And maybe it has something to do with this idea of belonging and not wanting to be an outsider. And we touched on this last time, too, about Ahsoka, you know, seems to live the rest of her life relatively isolated and, of course, not always. And. She does, like, have other adventures, and there are a lot of pieces we don't know about her life still, but she seems to be on her own a lot, and I think that maybe this time is, that is like, the end of her being in a group, which mm. is sad because – that like we know like this time is never going to be repeated like like Revenge of the Sith novelization the golden age of heroes is over like the sun is setting on all of it right now and it's setting for Ahsoka too and even though maybe she starts to question that maybe she should go back with the Jedi or try something else none of that's going to matter in a couple days
1: it's so interesting because I think you're you're so spot on because at the end of <laughs> at the end of Revenge of the Sith everyone goes their separate ways there is an isolation even in in the hope that you feel at the end but this the twins are separated yoda goes into exile obi-wan goes into exile bail bail you know has to pretend he didn't even know what happened you know all these things people are becoming isolated if you survive and we know that ahsoka survives so watching that, I think you're so right that this will be the last time that she's with a group. It's sad to think about, but it's true. Yeah. And
0: even just the end, like the end of that quote you read, you want from Dave quote, you want to be seen, you want to be heard. You think about like her coming out of like, we don't know exactly how much of Order 66 we'll see or even the aftermath of it. But knowing that like that force bond with Anakin is still intact and then her realizing that like, she can't feel that anymore mm-hmm. and that others can't – and then, like, having to suppress that within herself, too. Like you said, like, not only to isolate herself, but to literally make herself invisible in the Force.
1: Yeah, it's very Luke, almost. It's yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's like it's a shrinking in and in, in of yourself.
1: Absolutely. It's also, to me, going back to Ahsoka's own decision to – leave with bo and how that could feel almost inorganic and less deliberated over. I think there really is a sense of destiny though, about going with bo that I can kind of suspend my disbelief of Ahsoka realizes that this is right. This is where she needs to be. This is who she needs to go with. And I can believe that if, if we want to think about Ahsoka being, you know, attached to the cosmic force or something, which I, again, I've talked about this before. I, I believe she is. I think that it's, um, it is this idea of destiny, this idea of fate, of whatever she sees at the Siege of Mandalore, this rekindling of, of old friends and um, old enemies too. I think that it, it was all leading to this for her. And I can understand that if this, this, un- Oh, I can see that you want to go to it. Like uh, I want I can see you want to go with her or something that Trace says and that can seem weird because like you said I you didn't see that, but for me I can see that maybe she understands that that's her place and that is a sense of belonging like you say. It's mm-hmm. just interesting.
0: Yeah, I think there's also the piece of it that we bring in as the audience knowing that this is where it's leading. We know yeah. that this is the final battle, and so I think we bring into our viewing experience of it, like, our
1: own sense of destiny to it. Yeah, and I think that's that's so – how fans watch Star Wars, too, mm-hmm. yes. is back to our conversation about even just, like, knowing the timelines – understanding how things unfold in the galaxy informs our own understanding of how things are going to unfold with our characters because we understand these like invisible forces that are upon them the death star creation the fall of anakin skywalker the rise of the empire all these things are coming our characters don't know but we know so it just makes things so drastic and at the same time star wars can constantly change the timelines and well not the timelines but our understanding of the timelines because things Mm -hmm. are forever in flux because again things can change all the time it's fiction anything's possible yeah and i think that it's this this meta understanding in this like when you when you come to predicting what the character is going to go through it's like oh she's going to go through pain she's going to go through hardship and it's like we actually can back that up because we know the pain and hardship that's coming mm-hmm. it's just weird like and no other no other franchises really like this yeah but but they can the, the thing that's really exciting about watching star wars is you know that certain certain pieces are going to flip you on your heads yeah um, of Oh, you you think that's going to happen? Yeah, it happens, but do you know how it happens? And it's, you don't know this other piece of it either. Exactly, and that that in itself is why we're here. You, you know? don't know that Ray Park was in
0: a motion capture suit.
1: <laughs> well, we to do know animated. that. You didn't yeah. know that before,
0: did you? <laughs> what else is coming? Yeah, it just it is, and 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 all fiction can do this, but Star Wars does it a lot of, of like compressing and expanding timelines too. You know, it's like how long does the Clone Wars really go on? Well, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it's three years, four years. Who cares? It doesn't depends matter. What you're in. <laughs> you know, it's- so there's like there's always this there's this possibility and it is like you said it is just how how we watch star wars is so specific and like the rise of skywalker is the only thing that like the sequel trilogy as a whole really is the only thing that's kind of been separate from that because it started this new chunk of timeline that we haven't been in yet whereas Like Clone Wars was all like Clone Wars always has that inevitability tied to it, and the sequel trilogy was really kind of the new thing that didn't. And now, of course, like things like Mandalore, the Mandalorian, had that new element to it as well. Whereas, like things like Solo and Rogue One, and Clone Wars and Clone Wars Season Seven, and, and even Rebels and Resistance to a certain degree, they all have that like audience driven fate that comes mm-hmm. that is like brought into a viewing of them. And I think that the filmmakers and the storytellers are very aware of that. And it is that back and forth of the story and our relationship to this franchise continually influencing each other.
1: Yeah. It's a it's the push and pull.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow
1: hype <laughs> so hype so hype <laughs> okay i feel
0: like we've talked a lot about ahsoka i feel like we also talked a good bit about rafa as well too um but kind of like on the topic of this like this inevitability that we all know is of course coming it's kind of strange thinking about star wars bringing in these two sisters that are so important to ahsoka now knowing that Order 66 is days away. And we leave them on this really bright note, but their world is about to change in a really big way too. And I wonder, I don't know. It's just, it's so like, I think it's so strange meeting them just days before all of this happens. And this is probably all we're going to get of them.
1: I think it's, I don't know. I think it's kind of quaint. It's, uh, that's a weird word to use, but I think uh, I like it because that's just how it works. You know, you meet someone, you never know what's going to happen next. And Mm -hmm. right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, I don't know, maybe there are people out there who met their future husband or wife or something before the pandemic and now they can't see them and just the way that goes, you know? And I think that it's, it's, because life changes so quickly anything can happen really Mm -hmm. quickly yeah and i think that there's something sad Uh, they could play with our heartstrings a little bit about like showing coruscant burning or something and we not we don't know what happens to the two sisters Mm -hmm. well there's like i'm sure there's a word but
0: I don't know what it is, but it's almost like this, like you said, quaint. It's almost like this charming sadness to it. Yes, yes, that's I, what that's what I was trying to go for. And I, yeah. there is a
1: word. There's you know a word. that
0: you know that there's like a word in like Japanese or something. Like you know how Japanese has like all these words that describe these really,
1: yeah, like
0: strange German feelings? Too. Yeah, German yeah. too. Like you just know that there's a word, but this like charming sadness of like people are making connections and making friends and making plans. And there's something really beautiful about that life still kind of rolling the way that they think it is, but knowing that it's all, again, because we're outside of it, we know what's coming, but like how great that they had that time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just, it is, I feel like I referenced this before too, but there's that quote from the movie Troy with Brad Pitt from, you know, what, like 2005 or something, where he's like, the gods envy us because we're mortal. And so everything is more beautiful <laughs> yeah. because of it. And it's it's so cheesy, but it's so true. And I think that's what we're all kind of bringing into this last season and gearing up for the Siege of Mandalore.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I'm so not ready. You know, 100% now speaking of what I'm doing to prepare preparation plan <laughs> <laughs> I am going to finally read the mall comic um, oh no what is it called off the top of my head now is it son of Son of darkness wrath of darkness son of dathomir son- yes thank you dathomir. Okay. whoa just pulled that out of nowhere I, I believe that's what it is I did not look it up but there's a mall comic Son of Dothmere, I believe it's what it's called. And it is basically a missing arc in between what we just saw and the Siege of Mandalore that was going to be animated, but then they wrote the comic. Um, so, reading that, I implore you to as well, Caitlin, before Friday. And so we can understand Maul a little bit more. And I'm also hoping to watch Revenge of the Sith again, which. Our friend Ooh. Savannah did last night, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm ready to do that. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, don't, I, just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know, guys. <laughs> I Solo was the first Star Wars movie I've watched, and we watched it last week. It was the first Star Wars movie I've watched since Rise of Skywalker, and it was good. It was really good. I was really glad to watch it, and um, – If you guys listen to any of our reviews on Solo and stuff, you know that at the time that wasn't my favorite Star Wars movie. But I think Solo – I've always thought Solo has a lot of high points to it and a lot of things I really enjoy about it. But it was never the Star Wars movie that I revisited the most, which I think is fine. But um, it was the perfect first Star Wars movie to watch (laughs) post Rise of Skywalker if you felt the same way that we did. (laughs) But man, oh man, I know watching Revenge of the Sith for the first time is going to be – really hard I
1: I think that we can do it in the context of the Clone Wars
0: I know I know but (sighs) yeah I think that's I think that uh, yeah it's just it's like I always watch Revenge of the Sith knowing it's gonna hurt
1: Mm
0: -hmm. but... (laughs) (laughs) but it's like a different kind of hurt now the pain levels
1: will be high also to be to be totally transparent I haven't watched any movies with sad endings in the past like month and a half Honestly. <laughs> one of the, you know it's been like four months since Rise of Skywalker came out. Yeah, I know. But I'm talking about in terms of our pandemic. Oh, oh I okay. See, I, I was like, like it, are we talking Rise of Skywalker timeline here or pandemic timeline? Pandemic. <laughs> okay, and I think yeah. that it's – I've watched sad movies since the Rise of Skywalker, but in terms of the pandemic. So, like, watching a, a movie that's so viscerally sad to me, but it's one of my favorites. It is – it is, like, The Last Jedi and Revenge of the Sith are basically tied for my mm-hmm. favorite Star Wars movies. Um I don't know it'll it'll be something else I really have been sticking to the happy endings <laughs> like crazy yeah I haven't
0: watched a lot of sad things <laughs> uh since Rise of Skywalker or since pandemic timeline started so Clone Wars I think is the saddest I've gone <laughs> the most angsty uh yeah so I just um yeah thinking about watching Revenge of the Sith is difficult both in light of the Clone Wars like I know it's gonna hurt but then it's like also in light of Rise of Skywalker for me personally but (laughs) I guess I have to cross that bridge at some point (laughs) indeed yeah okay well on that super bright note i think we're gonna wrap up this episode of our clone wars analysis for the episode together again from the final season we are days away from the beginning of the siege of mandalore and charlotte's got a preparedness plan (laughs) i hope you do too (laughs) tell us what your preparedness plan is for the inevitability of sadness
1: that will be the We keep end. saying inevitability, and I just can't not let the episode – I can't let the episode end without talking about how crazy it is. I don't think we talk about this enough, that there's that Greek god whose name is Ananke, which means inevitability, yeah. and Anakin – Anakin. Anakin. Yeah, Anakin like mm-hmm. it's too similar. Guys, it makes too much sense and that's a character that is just brimming with inevitability. It's just unreal. Yeah. I feel like I just had to slip that in there in this episode cuz I I would be mad at myself if we didn't. It's
0: it's a really good connection and <laughs> I inevitability is one of my favorite words actually. I think I like saying it. I like how it sounds. I like what it means. The ominous side of it the hopeful side of it i just think i think inevitability is a great word and it's a perfect word for star wars even without the anakin Anakin connection but that one is a freaking good one <laughs> yes so anyway uh tell us what you're doing to prepare um let us know how your quarantine is going as well guys this is a really hard time <laughs> and you know, I hope we both do. I hope you're doing well. And if you're not, it's okay to say that you're not. And, um, just turn to the, you know, we're all turning to stories and stuff that make us happy. So do, do what you need to do. And, um, yeah, I hope that, I hope that everyone is, is doing well and okay. And, yeah, that's like a really horrible pep talk, but <laughs> I just I I my heart goes out to everyone listening. I know this is a really hard time. So, I hope everyone is staying well and healthy and finding little ways to bring more joy and happiness to your days in whatever way you can. But if you want to find us online, follow us, our personal handles for some Star Wars and Animal Crossing content that might make you smile too. We are on Twitter at SkytalkersPod. My handle is at Caitlin Pleasure, and Charlotte's is at Clarity. We also have our website, Instagram and Facebook. Just search Skytalkers Podcast and you'll find us. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes, it would bring a little bit more joy to our days. if you would. And it helps other people find our show. We've gotten a couple of reviews in the past week since our last episode. So thank you so much to everyone who reviewed us. It really does mean a lot to us. We really appreciate you taking the time. And if you're interested in other ways to support us, you can check out our Patreon as well.
1: Yes. And I want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to these patrons, Bethany, Joey, Jason, Bridget Shelbo, James Nathan, Sam Bailey, Eric Kelly, Mary Ira Bell, James, Larry, Z, Sarah, Becca, Katie, and Talia. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes.
0: Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you.
1: May the force be with you.